Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. This holiday season, it's all about the bedroom. And Casper's Black Friday sale has up to 30% off everything you need to make your bedroom your happy place. Only Casper mattresses are made with 86 supportive gel pods to align your spine and eliminate aches and pains. And Casper bed frames are made from the highest quality materials. Give the gift of a better bedroom. Save up to 30% during Casper's Black Friday sale on now at Casper.com. Terms and conditions apply. See Casper.com slash terms for more details. Listen up, Amazon Prime members. For a limited time, you can start an Audible membership and save 66% on your first three months, a total of $30 off. That's like getting three months for the price of one. You'll pay just $4.95 per month for the first three months, and after that, it's only $14.95 a month. This offer is valid from July 1, 2019 through July 31st, 2019. Audible members get a credit every month, good for any audiobook in the store, regardless of price and two Audible originals. On Use credits do roll over. If you don't like an audiobook, you can exchange it for free. Plus, your audiobooks are yours to keep forever, even if you cancel. There are no commitments. You can cancel anytime. Audible has the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet, and I'm currently filling my summer with a whole bunch of Stephen King audiobooks like The Long Walk. On top of audiobooks and Audible Originals, members also get access to audio-guided fitness and meditation programs. Audible is a great sidekick for summer activities like hiking, sunbathing on the beach or poolside, running, road tripping, enjoying downtime outdoors, and so much more. You can listen anytime, anywhere, and never lose your spot when you switch devices. Visit audible.com slash movie talk or text movie talk to 500-500 to get started today. That is audible.com slash movie talk or you can text movie talk to 500-500 to get started. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Did you know you could shop around for prescription prices? With GoodRx, you can find free coupons at over 70,000 pharmacies and save up to 80%. It's that easy. But don't just take my word for it. Dr. Adam says, I've been telling all my patients about GoodRx. Jacqueline says, my medication was $65 without insurance, but I paid $25. Aubriana says, you don't have to pay full price to live your best life. Couldn't have said it better myself. GoodRx is 100% free. Download the GoodRx app today and start saving. GoodRx is not insurance. You guys. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Collider Movie Talk. I've got a very loud panel today to talk about Harry Styles in The Little Mermaid. On top of that, it's been confirmed that Taika Waititi is back to direct Thor 4. And on top of that, we are also talking about Joker 
probably hitting the film festival circuit this fall. That is something else for a superhero movie, and I've got the perfect guys to talk about those stories with. I bet you heard them over the opening graphic. It's Coy and Man. No, yes. talking about loud noises. Just excitement and Spider-Man zeal. Oh, come on. That's exactly you. what I need to soak in right before we hit the road for Comic-Con. We're all getting on a train. Who uh, needs well, caffeine? All right, I need caffeine, but I need you guys, too. Okay, you train right. hype. Right. <laughs> Let's jump into this because we have a three-story lineup today. We're kicking it off, of course, with Harry Styles being in talks to play Prince Eric in Disney's The Little Mermaid. So if the talks go through, he would join Halle Bailey, who is set to star as Ariel. Melissa McCarthy is in talks to play Ursula. Jacob Tremblay and Aquafina are nearing deals to play Ariel's friends Flounder and Scuttle. So first off, what do you guys think specifically about Harry Styles getting this role? Okay, first of all, I think it's a, it's a great move for him. I thought he, you know, Dunkirk was a terrific movie, but it wasn't about Harry Styles' performance right. in that movie. It was a true ensemble film. It was a safe role for him to sort of like dip his toe in, in the acting field for a major Hollywood production. And I thought that he was very, very good in the film. I mean, he didn't really stand out. There was no scene-stealing moment from him. Yeah. But I thought that he was good. He was solid. Now, it's different. So this movie, Little Mermaid, being directed by Rob Marshall. Hmm. Rob Marshall doesn't mess around. He is a perfectionist. I mean, he, he does mostly great work, obviously, Chicago. You know, I really like Mary Poppins Returns, but he's not going to cast Harry Styles in this movie if he can't act and he can't sing. The singing is the through line we talked about right before. The through line of this movie is everyone being a song, strong singer, and I think that's really going to be playing up the Little Mermaid song side. So to me, honestly, and this is a weird thing to say, the only thing I care about is if the chef sings the fish, the fish in French. Because <laughs> les poissons, les poissons. <laughs> cracked me up as a kid because it was just him saying the fish the fish and if that's in there I'm in that's all I care about well I guess you're kind of easy to please oh, absolutely. <laughs> all these Disney live action movies just have to get one gimmick and I'm sold yeah, but, but Harry, Styles, Harry Styles like this is really going to be his like great star making yeah. performance well this him. could make a big difference for him obviously I have no doubt in his abilities when it comes to the songs but mm. as much as I liked what he did in Dunkirk I get the feeling that he just did what he needed to do in Dunkirk that is a role that shows off next to no range for him as an actor exactly. so this is a much more acting heavy opportunity for him and i'm really curious to see what he does with it but again these live action adaptations they're a big deal for disney and again the way you talk about rob marshall he's not casting someone just for the name the headline value they are picking people to assemble the right ensemble for this important property mm -hmm. and if this is who they're going with for that role, I am inclined to believe he is the best choice they found. Well, the Little Mermaid, correct me if I'm wrong, and I know you will, wasn't the Little Mermaid the animated film that, that revitalized Disney back in 1989? Because they had their animated uh, division had been floundering. And, yeah. and remember, they, they did it. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, he said flounder. Couldn't help like, it. Like, they, like really, they really hit the skids with a movie like The Black Cauldron, which was mm -hmm. like a bomb for them and and really the revitalization of disney animated uh division with the help of jeffrey katzenberg who was really spearheading that mm -hmm. you know when you had uh you know you had uh, uh the little mermaid then you had beauty and the beast mm -hmm. then you had like the lion king and Mulan and aladdin all those movies but the little mermaid was first i think i'm pretty sure it was so this is an even bigger deal in a lot of ways then the Lion King, then like Jungle Book, and definitely, you I know, guess. Double, double. I guess it depends also what's, what's your favorite. 
Well, what is What's your, your favorite? favorite? Well, I go, I go Lion King, Aladdin, and then I think I'd go Beauty and the Beast after that, and then maybe Little Mermaid, because I was just the perfect age for, if this was the one that revitalized the animated yeah. classics, mm-hmm. I was the perfect age for this whole string of films. Yep. Aladdin I identify most with, Lion King really close second, Emperor's New Groove, the rest. I'd like to... I, okay. My fave is, is Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> yeah. From, from those movies, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I never knew that about you. Oh, what can I tell you? <laughs> <laughs> Fun <laughs> facts all day, every day on Movie Talk. All right, story number two. This is another big one today. Taika Waititi is set to write and direct Thor for, for Marvel. That's hard to say. Waititi had been slated to next direct Akira for Warner Brothers, but according to The Hollywood Reporter, that project had been plagued by development problems, and it's delayed yet again. THR chalks it up to issues with the script, which pushed the start of production. Apparently, Waititi wouldn't have had enough time to finish Akira before needing to jump into Thor 4. The outlet also claims that Warner Brothers may shelve Akira until Waititi wraps Thor 4 so that he can return to that property, as the studio was ultimately ultimately pleased with his vision before we even touch Akira. Mm. What did you think about this news when it first broke? Was it at all a surprise that he's coming back to do Thor 4? And are you excited that he's back in the mix? I think it's both a surprise and that we get a fourth movie in the Marvel franchise because we haven't had a four yet. We keep having trilogies, but it's also people aren't talking about the fact that we've concluded everyone else's storyline from the original six Avengers except Thor. Mm-hmm. Cap mm-hmm. story's done. Iron Man story's done. Black Widow story's done. Hawkeye story's done. He's the only one that still has a story to tell, and he's also the Avenger that has the most arcs. If you look at Thor's through line, he's been the most different of characters in part because of the directors, but also in part because they realized they had a comedian in Chris Helmsworth, not an action star. So I think having Taika Waititi come back to do Thor is a testament to them showing they trust not only Thor, but they trust in Chris Helmsworth's ability to play him opposite Taika. And it gives us an entirely new perspective on what Phase 4 is going to be because we're looking at this grounded element with Spider-Man and Black Widow and Shang-Chi, but also the cosmic element with Guardians and with the Eternals. And I think having Taika do it shows us both the cosmic side and the comedic side that is necessary to keep Thor going. You were making wonderful points, but I feel like we need a a meter for for (laughs) Koi's feet. Because yeah. I think that was officially the fastest I've ever heard you talk in my life. Wow, Chloe, you, you know, excited. you really talk fast. This is not, and it's okay, this is not movie fights. I just had to get a point across, and I know it's a 20-minute show. Yeah, this is not a speed round. But, but, you know, I think I think the point that you make, uh, for the first point you made especially, is, is crucial. That this is the first Marvel character that we're seeing a four from. Mm-hmm. And it's Thor. Now, keep in mind, go back to 2011 with the first movie, which was good, was okay, but... The Dark World was, up until this year, it was my least favorite MCU movie. But then Taika Waititi, he completely revitalized Thor, rebooted Thor with Ragnarok, mm-hmm. which, which to me is one of the top three best movies in the MCU. Thor Ragnarok was terrific. And I'll tell you, you know, Chris Hemsworth has talked repeatedly about how when he made Thor Ragnarok, Thor became really, really interesting to play. Yeah. And he sort of went off in that direction. And he was terrific in an Avengers Endgame, you know, playing that, uh, you know, uh, uh, Big Lebowski Thor. Oh, magic. So, so, and also, Taika Waititi, he is not only directing Thor 4, he's also writing it. Uh, Thor Ragnarok was written by uh, uh, Eric Pearson, Craig Kyle, and Christopher Yost. I did write that down, so I was reading <laughs> it. Um, but uh, I think it's great that we're seeing a real phase four movie from a phase one character. Mm -hmm. I'm just hyped because he has such a specific style to him. And when a franchise continues on and on, 
Nothing really excites me much more than having a director on board that makes the movie stand out, feel like their own. And that's what Taika Waititi did for the Thor series for me. So the fact that he's continuing on is great. Where I felt, I guess, a little surprised, even though we had this other news I'm about to reference beforehand, is I started to reset my brain to the thought that, oh, if James Gunn isn't doing Guardians 3, Mm. he's going to step in and do Guardians 3. And it makes sense because then you have the Asgardians of the Galaxy and you have Thor with them. And I thought that was going to be the next journey for both Thor and the Guardians. So I'm kind of reshaping my whole mind with all Mm. this now. And that actually ties into a live chat question we have from Andrew Cook. And he's asking, which comes out first, Thor 4 or Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? Well, so so Gunn is back on, on Guardians yes. 3, and that's definitely happening. That was that announcement was made about six months ago or something like that. So, but yeah, that's a great but question. But Suicide Squad 2 is filming first. Mm-hmm. So if Taika is doing this because of time constraints, I could see Thor 4 happening first because if they're saying he didn't want to wait on Akira, yeah. then it could be a time constraint where this is necessary. But what I think is that Guardians 3 and Thor 4 am I going to be more tied in together than any of the other Marvel films. I think they're going to be like a part one and part two in a very specific way. Not as much as Infinity War and Endgame, but I do think they're going to reflect each other in their comic sensibilities mm-hmm. and what Thor becomes. Because if you look at Thor, he's the most different per movie. Thor is the one that's evolved the most. Like yeah, sure Tony has. Stark, Tony Stark had to go from selfish to selfless, while Captain America had to go from selfless to selfish. I love that Tony and Cap, their stories had to do their opposite arcs, and that was the beautiful landing. Mm-hmm. Whereas Thor has been a god into a mortal into a mortal that's figuring out responsibility into an orphan into someone that's trying to understand mortality into someone that's trying to understand what it means to be a hero and that is something that he's experienced in five different arguably different character arcs all of his takes are that way so take it coming back on to me is going to be a, it's the first time we're going to get a continuation like Ragnarok into Endgame we get to live in this kind of Thor for a little bit and I think that's going to be reflected in Guardians 3 yeah. so what do you think that the story for the next Thor is going to be because also given where we ended with Endgame and I guess spoilers for Endgame even though we're not really doing that anymore <laughs> that very specifically teed up the search for Gamora with Thor in tow. So I'm just having a difficult time picturing how you make that leap out of specifically Guardians group and into Thor's own story. Or are they along for the ride with Thor's story? Well, maybe they are because look at what they're doing with the Spider-Man movies. Mm. In Spider-Man Homecoming, Iron Man was a very, very big part of Spider-Man Homecoming. And yeah. in uh, Far From Home, uh, you, Nick Fury was a very big, big part of Far From Home, sort of. I yeah, guess, yeah. you know, no spoiler yeah. there um, <laughs> or spoiler there. But I think uh, when I when I first heard the news that they were doing a Thor four, in my mind, I went, I'll bet the Guardians are going to be part of Thor's story because it sounds like that's moving along faster, like you pointed out. Well, I do really want to see more of Thor with Rocket in particular because I feel like Rocket as a character wound up enhancing Thor as a character. Like sure. Thor needed him for that part of his journey. Wow, this is a great show. I think, <laughs> I think that Thor is going to be one of those things where if Guardians is first, it's going to be Thor with the Guardians. But if Thor is first, then they're going to have the ability to have him be like the first act. And then the Guardians go off and find Gamora. Mm. But no matter what, Thor doesn't have Asgard. He doesn't have many Asgardians. New Asgard is on Earth. So he doesn't have a home. So I think what Thor 4 is going to be about is he's found humanity. He's found selflessness. He's found what it's like to be a hero. I think he has to go find himself. And I think what he does after being Lebowski Thor is find out what Thor is to Thor. I think he has to find out what it means to be the Odin son. Because he's been a son, and he's been a brother, and he's been a hero, but he's never figured out who Thor is. So I think it's going to be an existential crisis in space. He's also an Avenger. (laughs) 
He's also an Avenger with with Captain America and Iron Man, yeah, and Black Widow, and now he's not. And yeah, he's alone. So he's having a massive midlife crisis here. He, yeah, how many crises has Thor had? And this is going to be one. I think he needs to go on this journey alone. I think that the Guardians are not going to be as big a part of the entire mm. film because mm. Thor needs to figure out who Thor is. The idea of the Guardians serving as a launching point for Thor, while maybe their own story, their own search for Gamora, and maybe I'm hoping for Rocket's evolution and a little more on his backstory. Maybe they could happen at the same exact time. And it could be two movies that live side by side, which would be interesting. Mm -hmm. And I guess something, uh, at least off the top of my head, that we haven't seen in the MCU, unless I'm forgetting something. But before we have to move on from this topic, I do want to touch on Akira a little bit, because they're trying real hard to make this movie happen. And it's not happening. I thought (laughs) thought that it did have a slight chance when they signed Taika Waititi. But now that he prioritized Thor 4, is this... It's never, ever happening. Uh, it's maybe not in our lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> when the technology is will outlive us all but, but, and make this movie. But, I mean, listen, I would, just because I have a more, more of, a, of a connection with Marvel, with the comics, with the MCU movies, I am much, much happier that he's doing Thor 4. And it's not that I don't care about Akira. I just was more excited that, about what he's now doing than what he will eventually do. I think some things should stay in the medium they're in. I think there's a reason that comic books are comic books, anime is anime, and movies are movies. You didn't make Civil War from the comic book. You made a Civil War movie. Yep. Far From Home is about as far from the comics as you can get while still being Spider-Man. Absolutely. But it's still Spider-Man. Spider-Man mm-hmm. and the Spider-Man comic is not going to make the choices Spider-Man and the MCU is making. And I feel like the same thing with Akira. Akira belongs as a manga or an anime. It doesn't belong on screen in a big screen. Mm-hmm. If they can do it right, please prove me wrong. I want to see Akira on the big screen. But... It's like Saga. If you're reading, if you've read Brian K. Vaughn's Saga, don't translate that. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. Akira is perfect. Let it be perfect over here. Akira inspired so much of the art we love. It inspired the Matrix. It inspired so many bits of media we already have. I feel like it should be left alone. Well, maybe the silver lining to all this is that Warner Brothers is at least holding back until they're ready and they have the right reinterpretation to pull the trigger. So, go. hey, there might be something good out of a delayed Akira movie again and again and again and again. <laughs> all right. Before we move on to our Joker story for the day. We have some content on Collider video coming your way real soon, like a little show called Collider Heroes. Here's a promo. Hi, I'm Amy Dallin, one of the hosts of Collider Heroes. And starting right now, you can catch our show at a new time and format. We're coming at you Tuesday nights with a new shorter Collider Heroes and a longer Collider Heroes podcast where Koi and I are going to talk your ears off. You already know that's coming. So make sure to go to YouTube, subscribe, and find us on the Collider Heroes podcast feed for all of that sweaty goodness. Now I hope you're ready to take some notes, because if you're going to San Diego Comic-Con, we have a lot of stuff to tell you about. We're going to run through the schedule in order. First up, the Cobra Kai panel in Ballroom 20. Yours truly is hosting that one, and I am so excited. <laughs> then, after that, Russo's bro- Russo Brothers in Hall H, bright and early, Friday morning. That panel at 11 a.m. is being hosted by our own Steve Weintraub. And then, if you want to see a whole bunch of us on the desk together, we are going to be in room 6DE on Sunday at 1230. Come by, say hi. We're going to do fan Q&A. It's going to be a blast. And then maybe we'll say hi to all you after. So come join us for that story number two now. All right, so... Fall Festival Circuit announcements for both Venice and Toronto are arriving next week. But right now we've got Variety reporting that among the entries will be Todd Phillips' Joker movie, which would make it the first big superhero movie to get a prime spot at a major festival. And then on top of that, Variety is also reporting that Venice will also get Ad Astra, 
an untitled new movie from Noah Baumbach. Tom Harper's The Aeronauts, starring Eddie Redmayne and Felicity Jones. David Michaud's The King, starring Timothy Chalamet and Robert Pattinson. The next Rambo, The Pope, starring Anthony Hopkins and Jonathan Price, And the heist thriller, The Burnt Orange Heresy, starring Mick Jagger. Variety also notes that The Irishman is unlikely to be ready in time for Venice, which means it probably won't be at TIFF or Telluride either, since those festivals are so close together. So before we dig into any of those other movies, I just listed the joker the joker first off do you guys think it's really gonna happen because i don't know i looked at it as a trade report now and if variety is saying this i am inclined to believe a joker announcement for venice is on the horizon i would think that's great so it's just joker is you know i, th- yeah. I have to double check on imdb it's a <laughs> joker or joker I it's just joker the joker I know. movie right, right. also sure. i think that's more seo friendly so <laughs> listen i think it's great and just from the footage we've seen so far of this movie directed by Todd Phillips and starring Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker. So even from the first trailer, when they first showed it back at CinemaCon back in April, I thought this could be an Oscar contender for for at least Joaquin Phoenix's performance. First of all, he's perfect for this interpretation of the Joker mm-hmm. to follow first Jack Nicholson, really, and Heath Ledger and, I mean, Jared Leto. I mean, he was good. The movies weren't, but I thought he was fine. But... This is going to be a very serious, very different take than what we've seen, and I think it's going to take itself pretty seriously to put it in the the contender category as an Oscar contender. I think that it's beautiful kismet that Heath Ledger's Joker was the first major award consideration for an Oscar. He won. Yeah, but that was the first time it was even a nomination for a superhero film, for for the mainstream, like Big Six, Mm -hmm. not for a technical Oscar. So I think it'd be very fitting if the Joker carried on that legacy and we had the Joker nominated again. Like, I love if the Joker is is this great barrier breaker because... Like, screw Batman, I'm going to play the Joker. Joker. (laughs) The Joker is is this beautiful character that represents chaos and represents the antithesis of Batman. So you can you can talk about how Batman is Bruce Wayne is the mask that the actual entity that is Batman wears, but the Joker represents everything that the Batman can't be, the freedom of that. So I think playing that character is a great thing for an actor that wants to be completely untethered while still being controlled in like a tight knot of a being. So I think that performance can be our Hamlet. It can be our our, our representation of this Shakespearean esque performance that can be something that travels through the ages. So I think it'd be great if we start to give these movies their credibility that if they are as good as they deserve this film slate that this movie could be the first one to do it because there's been movies that have deserved it before Endgame I hope gets at least some love like Return of the King I did sure hope Return so. of the King was like let's not let's give it an honorary nom for the ones we for did all three it. films so I think Endgame might be that for the MCU but right. if this gets a festival run that's also going to help alley oop that hope and I think it should because Black Panther I, can you imagine I, if I, Joker gets nominated for like a major Oscar and then Endgame gets nominated for a few major Oscars would be so that would be huge so wait, just to backtrack a little, just so I make sure I understand you guys correctly, because there's two possibilities here. Warner Brothers could potentially be putting this on the festival circuit because of exactly what you guys were saying, that they have that much faith in this Joker movie that it could wind up going on to secure Oscar nominations. The other idea in play right now is they're just putting it on the film festival circuit in order to very clearly differentiate it from all the other superhero movie- movies we usually get. Because it's the, the second it debuts at, I don't know, Venice and then goes on to tell your ITIF, you name it, you automatically start looking at a project in a different way. Because mm-hmm. look at how we're talking about it right now, simply based on the rumor that it could be premiering at Venice. Okay, you know, it just, just occurred to me, talking about this now. So, 
you know, I have a thing for movie release dates. I don't know if you know that about me. <laughs> oh, you never heard say. that before. I mean, you know, I know it's a shock. <laughs> he loves the movie. I know it's a shock, but I do love movie release dates. So, so just go with me on this, fellas. Okay. First of all, the movie's opening October 4th. Okay. Okay. October 4th, 2019. It's the first weekend, the first Friday of October. The first Friday of October is when Warner Brothers released The Departed. In 1996, uh-huh. in 19, I'm sorry, in 2006. It was October 6, 2006, and that movie went on to win Best Picture. And then in 2012, Argo came out the first weekend in October. That movie went on to win the Oscar for Best Picture. I'm not saying that Joker is going to win, maybe get nominated. I mean, I know that would be a longer shot. But it's an Oscar but date. it is a very, very good date for That's Warner Brothers when it comes to Oscar contenders. And whether or not the movie is great, whether or not the movie is up there, the fact that they are premiering this film potentially at a film festival, a, a movie based on a comic book character that goes back decades, a movie based on a comic book character that previously won someone else an Academy Award. And it's the first of this Elseworlds type concept where they can make a true film, not a movie. This is going to be a film based around the Joker because they intentionally set and up And it has to nothing itself. to do with the other films. Nothing. And it has nothing to do with Batman comics. It has nothing to do with Batman. It is a Joker film that is completely separate, so why not make it an Oscar film? Why not make it a film? I and I want, think that's what this is. I want it to get the Oscar nomination for that exact reason because if that's what sets the tone for this other arm of DC films, God. that means all the possibilities <laughs> yeah. are basically at our fingertips. But I'm just not ready to commit to the idea because it does seem very logical to me that they want to show audiences very clearly that this isn't your average superhero movie, maybe even just to make sure people go in with the right expectations. Because if you have people going to see Avengers Endgame, then roll right into Joker and expect something similar, they might push back. No, it looks different based on the trailer alone, but it's a good way to start off your marketing campaign the right way with the right tone. Mm. So until I see more than just that trailer, I'm very hesitant to say this is a clear and obvious move that they're mounting an Oscar campaign. But if they do make Black Label their their uh, Academy branch, if they still become like a pedigree, then you get like give me give me a a Terrence Malick Superman think piece, give me a David Fincher the Question movie, give me you know give these directors Terrence their Malick dude Superman right movie. S- Superman having an existential I crisis. Out for that, I want I want <laughs> Superman pondering what it means to be a human through Terrence Malick's lens. Give me the Question with David Fincher pondering cases and actually giving us some credibility oh my, for the genre. A coy uh, a coy assessment of those types of movies is like making me schwitz. <laughs> I, think, I think there's so much potential. If this does what it does, then people that you'd never assume would touch it would. And then we can actually have the credibility the genre deserves. It's definitely a possibility. Again, while that is why I'm rooting for it. I'm curious to see what winds up happening and especially curious to see what the first reactions are and if that kind of sets the tone for the conversation to come. Before we say goodbye, I want to hit one Twitter question because we didn't get to talk about this yesterday. Rick Samoris asks, can you guys talk about the new Kingsman trailer? And here's one for you, Koi. Koi, can you rap faster than Buster Rhymes? Uh, Busta Bus is a artist, and I actually I've tried to rap, not my thing. Uh, but I respect his work, and I'm I appreciate that question. You don't like rap? I, I know I love rap. I can't do it. Like <laughs> I I'm, know, very, I'm surprised you're not able to. Oh, on like, your own. I do rap god at karaoke, but it's someone else's words. Okay, I can like okay. recite rap. Makes I just sense. don't have the, the linguistics. I have no like, doubt you'd be great at it. Eminem's my guy. I just can't write the stuff, so I don't want to take credit for other people's work. So I say I can't rap. That said, the Kingsman trailer really impressed me in that it felt like a Rife finds 
art house film until they turned around and they were in front of the, the shop. Like, I love the bait and switch in the trailer. I also loved how much they took time to, like, separate Kingsman and turn the M around. Mm-hmm. And they made it a presentation of... It was a trailer that very much said, like, we know this is a Kingsman movie, but also look at the changes we've made. See, I pushed back a little because I watched it once and I'm like, that doesn't really feel Kingsman. It's like I see the, the Matthew Vaughn action style similarities, but I'm like, that's really all I see besides them walking up to the store and that kind of stuff. It didn't really feel like the other movies. It didn't have that same almost like... I mean, it was completely devoid of humor. I think that was the thing. And uh, mm. the Kingsman movies have, like, a really unique bite to me. But then I started to watch it again. Then I caught myself watching it again. And <laughs> then I found myself basically applauding them for doing something entirely different. Now I'm just curious to see what that something different does to tie into the films that we know. They want to make a whole universe out of this. So the only way you can do that is make it not stale. Yeah. It's like We're just it's, talking about that with Marvel and directors. Exactly. Like diversity of yeah. content is how you keep a genre alive. And I think if Kingsman wants to be its own universe, if they want to do an American spinoff, it should feel different than the two we've had. If you want to do a prequel, it should feel different. And I think World War One is much less tread than World War Two. And I think that the Kingsman myth- mythos can be you know used to bring an audience into a movie they wouldn't normally go into. Mm-hmm. Well, also, the, the second movie wasn't that great. And I think they need to really shake it up just like they did with Thor Ragnarok. So just or Fast of, Five. Uh, tie, you know, sort of like tie it all together. The episode comes full circle. Yeah, thank you for that, Mance, because it gives me an easy out. Thank you guys for watching. Mance, thank you for visiting always. us. Koi, as always, thank you for your Tuesday time. Adam in the booth, Dorian in the live chat. You guys rock, and so do all of you out there. Please do not forget to like and share this episode of Movie Talk. We will be back tomorrow. Many of us will be in transit going to San Diego Comic-Con. So warning, it is a pre-taped episode, but we are taking some Twitter questions. So send them in and tune in tomorrow, 3 p.m. PT, for a brand new episode. Hey, little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just 2 bucks on the one 2 3 menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.